You're listening to Baby Boomer's Guide to Life in the 21st Century with me, Lex Marinos, and... G'day, I'm Patricia Amphlett. Patricia, how are you going? Very well, thanks, Lex. And you? Very well, very well. And particularly so today because we're stepping out with a very, um, very special guest. We're spanning a broad area of New South Wales with a radio station called 2RPH. It's heard in Sydney, Newcastle, Lower Hunter, Wollongong, the Illawarra, pretty well big centres of New South Wales. It's radio for the print handicapped, RPH, leading a reading service for the visually impaired or those whose disability denies them access to printed newspapers and magazines. And to tell us more about the good works of the station, board member and presenter Vivian Schenker. Now, Vivian has spent approximately uh, 300 years in broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, at least 300. At Sorry. least 300 years in broadcasting as a journalist, a presenter for ABC and SBS. She hosted Insight on SBS TV, presented ABC Radio National Breakfast. Viv's communication career also spanned federal politics, not-for-profit sector. Now retired, she's brought much of that high-level expertise to Radio 2RPH. And Viv, unless I'm very much mistaken, we met back in the days when radio was in black and white. Yeah, um, when, we were, when we were cycling madly in the studio to try and keep us on air. Yep, double J. Double days. Viv, great to see you. And, and we, I see you all the time. I see you, you all the time in the gym. You do. I'm a bit embarrassed to say I go to the gym. I, I prefer to say, you know, fitness or something because gym sounds serious and uh, that's never been me. Uh, no, <laughs> no, certainly not. Anyway, now, now we're being serious, Vivian. Yep. So, Vivian, what inspired you to join 2RPH? Well, actually, that, that is kind of interesting because my mother and father um, joined RPH many years ago when they retired. Um, my mum was a teacher. My dad just worked in, you know, as a product manager and for a building company. But when they retired, I think my father always was a frustrated radio announcer and my mother was used to, you know, reading and speaking in public. So they both joined RPH. And I, I was trying the other day to remember when that was and it was probably the... 80s or 90s, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew about RPH because both my parents were there. And as you said, I, I'm a broadcaster by profession and always loved it, but was very keen to get rid of some of the stress and and strains of broadcasting, which is, you know, looking for guests and producing and lots of researching. So I thought I can read. I can read and I can read reasonably well um, and I can, you know, go in and do it and then go home and then go on with all the other lovely things in my life I do now that I'm retired. So I joined up too, but being me, I gradually got involved in doing more than just reading. Of course. Wow. <laughs> Vivian, I'm really interested to hear about your program, Inclusive Agenda. Tell us about it. Well, uh, as you sort of said in the beginning, um, RPH is really basically at heart a reading service. So we we do read for people that find it difficult to access printed material for whatever reason. It, it might not be because they're sight in bed, might be because they can't read, it might be because they can't afford the publications, it might be because they are time poor. Um, there's a whole mm. thing. Or they're learning English as a foreign language and they like to read along while we read. So mm. that's what it was actually set up to do. But gradually we've introduced a suite of programs focused on issues of major concern to people with physical 
or mental disability or older Australians because, as you say, that's a big and growing cohort. So Inclusive Agenda was a program sort of designed to focus on those people and those issues. So it looks at people who make policy and strategy Mm. around issues connected to um, disability or, or older Australians. Oh, wow. Viv, coming to the station, did you were you aware of the massive reach? I, I guess through your parents maybe you were, but the, the board in recent, uh, recent years, decades, has achieved such a, a big growth in the broadcast area, and I know you link up with stations around the country, so it's quite a network. What, uh, what, what, what's your impression of the spread that you have in terms of influence and, and uh, accessibility for? for- well, I, I tried to get some figures on that for you, Lex, but it's, um, it's really difficult to do because, as you'd probably know doing the, the program you do, it's difficult to get um, figures because the radio, um, you know, whatever you call them, you know, the surveys they do, yeah. don't really cater for particularly for people that are print handicapped. You know, it's really difficult to to um, to get a handle on the numbers of people, but the spread is is as you say growing. Um, we only started in Wollongong and the Illawarra uh, this year. Earlier uh, this year, we started. Yeah. So that was March or April. We launched down there, and as of I think at the moment, we've just started reading the Illawarra Mercury. So those people will get their own newspaper read to them. Newcastle's been around a bit longer, but I don't think in my parents' day. So, yeah, it's definitely growing. We've definitely got ambitions for the whole state. We're going to take over the world soon. And how how do you relate to the other other RPH stations? Loosely. Um, They're not all owned separately. Um, We have our own board of management. We're we're an independent organisation, loosely affiliated. Vision Australia, I think, manages a number of them around the country. Others have their own boards. We certainly speak regularly. We share information. And as you suggested, we also share um, some programming. But um, the programming is generally state-specific. A community radio station's uh, famously viable because of all the lovely volunteers. Mm. Vivian, is there a typical two RPH volunteer? Uh, Are they retirees, old, young? Disabled. Yeah, they're mostly, I, I, I would say from the people I see around and they are me, they are, mm. and a bit older, they're mostly retirees, people with mm. a bit more time on their hands, but not exclusively. I was going to say there's possibly more women as there are in most volunteering um, positions, but I'm not sure. We have a pretty good mix of men too. People mm. that come from all walks of life, really, it's mm. astonishing to, um, to talk to the people that come into the station. I should point out, though, that that we are in the middle of um, a concerted effort to try and get some younger voices mm. um, on air as well. You know, we might be catering for an audience that is partly older Australians and people with a disability, but, you know, those people move on and we need to keep making sure that we're appealing to all demographics. So, yeah, mm. we're trying to get a lot of younger voices in and people from more diverse backgrounds yeah, as well. Yeah, we just want younger people to inherit that volunteer spirit, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, flippantly in, in the introduction I referred to when we first yep. um, met, but, but what brought you to a, a, a broadcast career? Interesting. I sort of fell in it. I'd, I'd like to tell you that 
there's some serious drive that, you know, always impelled me to tell the <laughs> truth. But actually a, a boyfriend at the time, actually he might have even been a recently ex-boyfriend, told me he was going to apply for a cadetship at the ABC and, you know, it was kind of an interesting idea. <laughs> oh, I was like, <laughs> And uh, I was through the first three interviews before he'd even, you know, received word that he yeah, girl. first. So <laughs> I like, it was horrible, my horrible competitive spirit. That's not, I mean, that is. Like, I love it, love that it. That is true, but it is obviously something I'd always been interested in. You know, I'd done a lot of acting stuff, you know, as an amateur um, growing up. I was never going to be good enough to satisfy myself, unlike some that we're talking to, I knew I was never going to be good enough to satisfy myself. So I looked to something that, you know, still had that performance aspect, I guess, um, and broadcasting fit the bill. You know, it, it was fitted my analytical kind of mind rather than my creative mind and, um, and my desire to be, you know, a bit of a performer. And you were th- thrown into the lunacy that was uh, Double J. Well, actually, I did a cadetship with the ABC and as part of that, they sent me over to Double J for a while and I loved it. So I stayed as long as I possibly could. Do you still love it? I still love it. Oh, that, that that's feeling great. when that microphone goes on, yes. And that's the thing about inclusive agenda too. I, I just love interviewing. I really, you know, I'm not crazy about being on this side of the microphone, but I love being on your side of the microphone. I (laughs) really, really enjoy getting people to open up and talk about, you know, things and be interesting, particularly if it's live. You know, I don't particularly want to warm them up for half an hour. I love it when you can get them ready and they, Mm. I just love that. Do do you miss the, the cut and thrust of the daily politics of Viv? No. No, I don't. It's it's kind of interesting. My husband worked at the ABC as mm. well, and we both retired. He retired a year before me, and we were both a bit worried, you know, we'd have relevance deprivation syndrome, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, both, we both worried a bit that, you know, what would happen when people weren't ringing and asking our opinion on things and when we weren't right in the middle of the, you know, political game. And neither of us have missed it. Not a tiny little, <laughs> not, not a fraction. But I think that's about, you know, having a great life um, outside of that. That was a great mm. part of my life, but I'm loving my life now. Mm. Yeah, good on you. How do you think in your current position on the on the board at RPH, to RPH, what are the, and you've mentioned some about youth and diversity. How yep. do you see the station developing as a service? You know, given in the, in the complex broadcast climate where... There's streaming, there's podcasts, there's how do you see the, the station maintaining its relevance? Well, digital's obviously the way to go. We are I don't know if I'm giving away secrets here, but we are talking about possi- the possibility of a second um digital network as well. Um oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Who knows? Anyway, we are um we are talking about that. I mean, clearly moving on to digital and away from well, AM you know, is increasingly um, irrelevant. We do still have a bit of an audience on that. We're not prepared to give that up yet. But moving into that digital world, trying to create um, and find programs that do cater, as you said, to a much broader diversity of people, um, that's important for us. Securing regular funding, I know that's, you know, something Mm. that every community radio station says, but we are having the same issues. We've had... um, 
government funding cut significantly over the past couple of years, which leaves us a major shortfall. And while, you know, our audience is enthusiastic, it is difficult to get to, you know, to make up that shortfall. We're constantly looking for ways of of doing that. That's going to be a challenge going forward, um, just ongoing viability. Um, yes, and increasing and maintaining our audience and relevance. A tall order for everybody. It's a, mm. It is a tall order for everybody. Mm. in a broader sense, do you think radio will remain a relevant medium? Yeah, I do, absolutely. I, I, mm. I would say that, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think it's... Um, will it be overtaken by social media? No. No, it'll sit alongside social media, in my, in my view. There will all... I mean, podcasts. I mean, is that radio? I mean, in a sense, podcasts are radio, aren't they? I yeah, mean, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, the form may vary and, um, and the way it's um, delivered will certainly vary. But I think there will, I mean, podcasts are increasing in popularity, not decreasing. Mm. That mm. essentially is radio packaged up for people to hear oh, when they want to hear it and where they want yeah, to hear it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm fairly optimistic about it. And, and mm. I mean, I love television. As you said, I worked in television for mm. a long time too, as I know um, you both did. But radio is different and special. I mean, there are things you can do with radio that you can't do mm. with television, people you can talk to, places you can access, um, moods that you can create, pictures you can paint that you can never do with television. Mm. So, yeah, no, I'm fairly confident that it will stay relevant. Uh, there's an intimacy about radio that yeah. is definitely not visual. Well, you can't, you can't reproduce it. And I just wonder whether that's the way of whether social media will move into that into that territory um, and take that over. Mm. I, 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 it, you know, I just, I just, what do I know? I'm too old to be relevant to it anyway. But I see, you know, the, that growing... I know with students that I've taught and things like that, there's a growing sense of being an influencer. And and we're influencers, Patty. You know, we mm. at those awards mm. and, and stuff. But but it's just that I worry about the corrosion of the, the, the intimacy that you're talking about. I, I think the dumbing down that occurs with social media is profound. So I think people given the choice of something dumbed down like that and something that's a quality program, it's huge difference and people surely know the difference. Don't you think, I, Vivian? I do. I think people know the difference and I think there'll always be a place for, for the um, more thoughtful, mm. analytical stuff. My, I guess the, the one thing that I do agree and, and worry about, like Lex, is how do people access it? There's so much noise out there. Mm. Um, you know, with that increasing cacophony, as you know, of social media and influences, all of it. You know, there's so much choice. In a way, we're um, we're drowning in in choice and options. Yeah. How do you find the stuff that that is your stuff? How do you find your people? That is slightly more difficult. Well, I think we should all do a better job at marketing how to access it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I the definitely. product's there, but accessibility is the problem. I certainly think the, that two uh, RPH is in good hands. Uh, yeah. Heading into the future, Vivian, thank well you. done there, and thank you very much for talking to us. We we will at some point we'll track down uh, John Martin, his legendary person within community radio, and he's now at RPH as well. And so uh, I I think 
He's the chair, and I think the future looks very bright for our PH. Viv, lovely to see you. I'll see you at the gym. Thanks for talking to us. (laughs) Thanks, Vivian. Thank you for your passion. Thanks, Patty. Thanks, Lex. See ya. Bye. You're listening to Baby Boomer's Guide to Life in the 21st Century.